Here we are talking about Syria. We're talking about a lot of serious things with the greatest fighting force ever. And I have this witch hunt constantly going on. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Uh, in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI. In Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. On WLPP in Palinville, New York on WPRR in Grand Rapids, Michigan. In New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, well, Desi Doyen, I don't know if you saw this tweet from uh, someone named Dennis Detwiller, okay. a writer and illustrator after the arrest of Michael Cohen on Monday. The that, arrest of Michael Cohen I'm on sorry. Monday? I'm <laughs> sorry. Oh, see, I've already got it wrong. I, maybe I'm looking ahead. After the raid of Michael Cohen. Okay, That's yes. better. Sorry. No Don't problem. be alarmed. <laughs> the raid of Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's personal attorney, business associate, et cetera, et cetera, raid on his office and his, uh, his residences. Uh, Dennis Detwiller said, MAGA equals... My attorney got arrested. Oh, boy. <laughs> that may be about right. Uh, we'll see. Uh, see why I had that in my head? Arrested? Yeah. Not yet. He has yet to be arrested. Uh, that said, the raid on his offices happened on Monday. And uh, yes, while that new acronym for MAGA is kind of funny, the bigger concern now, at least to me, is what will Trump now do in response to what happened on Monday? Uh, firing the special counsel, Robert Mueller, may be the least bad thing that could happen. We'll talk about it all with the great Heather Digby Parton momentarily. Also, Desi Doyen, you are still on Scott Pruitt firing watch, I believe, at this yes, hour. Yes, yes. It's a, it's a roller coaster. You will be joining us with the latest Green News report in a bit on uh, on that and many other things, including some more good news, by the way, for pipeline protesters. Uh, last week, we had a favorable ruling in Massachusetts against protesters. This week, well, you'll just have to wait for the latest Green News report. See, How's there's some good news coming up. Yep. Uh, but let's start here today. Tom Bossert, White House Homeland Security Advisor, will leave his role, the White House confirmed 
On Tuesday morning, the president is grateful for Tom's commitment to the safety and security of our great country, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said in a statement, giving no reason for Bossert's departure. But the announcement of Bossert's ex- uh, exit came just one day after John Bolton started as Donald Trump's national security advisor, replacing the previous national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, who himself had replaced Trump's original national security advisor, Michael Flynn, who has since pleaded guilty to felony crimes in the Robert Mueller special counsel probe into Team Trump and their relationship with Russia. Bossert, who previously served in George W. Bush's administration as deputy Homeland Security Advisor, was the face of the Trump administration's response to the crisis in Syria as recently as Sunday, when he appeared on ABC's This Week, explaining that no potential retaliatory measures against Syria should be taken off the table following a suspected chemical attack on the Syrian town of Douma that killed dozens, including many children. He said the pendulum has swung in the wrong direction for too long, and the U.S., has been taken advantage of in their responsibility to provide security for the entire world. Bossert said it's time to move that pendulum back in a way that brings regional partners into putting their resources and their treasure and their boys and girls on the line and not just American troops. That was Sunday. Bloomberg uh, Bloomberg News's Jennifer Jacobs reports on Tuesday that the new National Security Advisor John Bolton asked the previous Homeland Security Advisor Tom Bossert, one of the few senior Trump administ- uh, Trump administration officials left from his original team, to resign. Bossert, she reports, is essentially being fired. On Monday night, according to NBC, Bossert was socializing with current and former U.S. intelligence officials at a conference in Sea Island, Georgia. He is said to have been unaware of any intention at the White House to seek his resignation and that he had no plans to quit on Monday night. Bossert was called into Bolton's office early Tuesday morning, reportedly, and told that he was being fired, according to an NBC source with direct knowledge. At the same time, President Trump has canceled his first official visit to Latin America as his administration evaluates the ongoing crisis in Syria, according to the White House today. The president will remain in the U.S. to oversee the American response to Syria and to monitor developments around the world, said White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders in what I read, frankly, as an ominous statement. The president was scheduled to depart to Lima, Peru, to attend the Summit of the Americas this week, followed by a stop in Bogota, Colombia. But on Monday, Trump said that his administration was investigating a new suspected chemical attack in Syria and that he would be making, quote, major decisions in the next 24 to 48 hours. Vice President Mike Pence will go to South America in his place. In addition, Defense Secretary James Mattis has altered his travel plans and will no longer be heading to Nevada and San Francisco this weekend, according to a U.S. official. Last year, Trump said that the use of chemical weapons in Syria crosses a lot of lines for me. His administration later launched a missile strike on a Syrian airfield in response to an alleged chemical attack by Syria at that time. 
Trump's overseas trip would have also coincided with his own growing personal crises at home. On Monday, as you know, the FBI raided the New York home and office of Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, reportedly seeking, among apparently many other things, information about a $130,000 payment in hush money that the attorney made to porn star Stormy Daniels shortly before the 2016 election. The search warrants were sought and executed by FBI agents and federal prosecutors in New York in coordination with special counsel Robert Mueller's team, reportedly, after an initial referral from Mueller's office. Trump lashed out on Monday after those raids, calling the warranted searches, quote, disgraceful and an attack on our country. So I just heard that they broke into the office of... One of my personal attorneys, good man, and uh, it's a disgraceful situation. It's a total witch hunt. I've been saying it for a long time. I've wanted to keep it down. We've given, uh, I believe, over a million pages worth of documents to the special counsel. Uh, they continue to just go forward, and here we are talking about uh, Syria. We're talking about a lot of serious things with the greatest fighting force ever. And I have this witch hunt constantly going on for over 12 months now. And actually much more than that. You could say it was right after I won the nomination it started. And it's a disgrace. It's frankly a real disgrace. It's a, an attack on our country in a true sense. It's an attack on what we all stand for. Uh, so when I saw this and when I heard it, I heard it like you did. I said, that is really now in a whole new level of unfairness. So they find no collusion, and then they go from there and they say, well, let's keep going. And they raid an office of a personal attorney early in the morning. Uh, and I think it's a disgrace. So we'll be talking about it more. But this is the most conflicted group of people I've ever seen. Uh, the attorney general made a terrible mistake when he did this and when he recused himself, or he should have certainly let us know if he was going to recuse himself, and we would have used a, put a different attorney general in. So he made what I consider to be a very terrible mistake for the country. Why don't I just fire Mueller? Well, I think it's a disgrace what's going on. We'll see what happens, but I think it's really a sad situation when you look at what happened. And many people have said, you should fire him uh, again. They found nothing. And in finding nothing, uh, that's a big statement. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think it's uh, disgraceful, and so does a lot of other people. This is a pure and simple witch hunt. So they broke into Michael Cohn's office? Uh, that's disgraceful and an attack on our country, says the President of the United States. We'll see whether or not he'll decide to fire Robert Mueller for following the law and doing his job. Trump followed those striking and or alarming comments on Monday with two terse tweets on Tuesday, reading only, quote, attorney client privilege is dead. And a second one which followed in all caps, so you know he means it, quote, a total witch hunt with three exclamation points. 
Paul Brandis, known on Twitter as West, uh, West Wing reporter because he's been a longtime independent White House correspondent, is not known for irresponsible hyperbole, but he tweeted on Monday night after Trump's on-camera remarks before his uh, meeting with Bolton and uh, his military leaders, quote, Difficult to write this. West Wing reports, writes history books, and has had the great honor of speaking at seven presidential libraries. Objectively speaking, I've never seen or known of a president as unhinged and unstable as Donald Trump was today. Never. It is a very dangerous time, Brandis tweeted. So what's going on here? Why was Michael Cohen raided and what does this disturbing move toward a focus on Syria with John Bolton, a longtime and very loud proponent of the use of U.S. military force to accomplish regime change, whether it's in Iraq or Iran or even North Korea, now sitting at the very top of our national security apparatus? What does that mean at this precarious moment? I, for one, have no idea about any of it. But none of it sounds good. Uh, and frankly, when things get this insane and disturbing and confusing and troubling, so much so that I can't make heads or tra tails of where we are and where we are going from here, I find myself with nowhere else to turn to try to make sense of it all. No pressure. Uh, then to our friend Heather Digby Parton, known far and wide on the Internet, says simply Digby. She is the creator of the long-running Hullabaloo blog, a regular contributor at Salon and a winner of the Sidney Hillman Prize for Opinion and Analysis Journalism. Oh, Heather, welcome back to the broadcast. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Brad. Like I said, no pressure, but I expect you to make uh, sense of all of this and explain everything by the time we're done here. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I'm afraid I am in the same situation you are. It's like there's this you know, unharmonic convergence happening with this... all this news that is... I, I, as as you put it, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's not good. No, <laughs> I, it, it's really it, it's really not. And I think uh, everyone is sort of focused on Michael Cohen and what this means. And, oh, Donald Trump is in trouble. But I think it comes at a very precarious moment. We'll get to Michael Cohen in a little bit here. But uh, frankly... And I don't think it's unrelated, but I, I fear that uh, Syria and Bolton uh, have really taken center stage for me today, at least in my brain. So let's start with the firing of Homeland Security Advisor Tom Bossert. What does it tell us about the uh, the new reign of Bolton here at this moment as a National Security Advisor? Uh, what can or should we read from Bossert's uh, sudden dismissal today, Heather? Well, it's it's interesting because I'm not entirely surprised that that Bolton would come in and want you know and want to build his own team. I mean, that's just sort of how that stuff works. And Bossert's a holdover from the McMaster era, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever that means. And he also worked in the Bush administration, so you know, I could see Bolton coming in saying, you know, look, this guy, he's not really one of my boys. I want to get rid of him. It's the abruptness of it mm -hmm. that's that's very bizarre is that Bossert would just leave. Mm -hmm. um, that, at a time, think about it, at a time when they uh, when it's obvious that there is serious consideration of escalating America's involvement in the war in Syria, and there's this big North Korean um, summit that is, you know, being planned. Uh, to have the team just completely disperse upon, you know, and someone mm -hmm. as important to it as Bossard. I mean, Bossard's been a big 
part of it. And my impression was that he was a very loyal Trumpy. Mm-hmm. I didn't get any sense from him that there was any dissension uh, from Bossard on Trump's, you know, alleged worldview, which mm-hmm. says to me this. Number one, I think Trump's worldview, to the extent that Bossert sort of uh, verbalized it, when the, you, you quoted him going on the Sunday show saying that we need to withdraw and take American boys and girls off the battlefield, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, that's sort of been Trump's line, but I never really believed it. Uh, you know, that's something that Trump says, and I think it's something that he thinks is a good thing to say, and somewhere in his adult brain thinks that it's, you know, it would be better if American troops weren't involved in these quagmires in places like the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't, right? Right. But Trump's temper. Well, actually, a lot of people don't, well, but you right. and I okay. agree, yes, on that. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what normal person doesn't? Let's just right. put it that way. But, you know, but Trump's sensibilities, his personality, his temperament, everything in him says the opposite that he is actually someone who is, you know, he he gets angry, he wants to retaliate, he wants to fight back. If he feels that he has been, you know, somehow disrespected. I mean, his whole thing is they're laughing at us, they're disrespecting us, et cetera, et cetera. I have a sneaking suspicion that, that, you know, the new guy, Bolton, who you and I know very well over the years, Mm -hmm. we've been talking about him for a long time. I'm sure your audience knows him well, too. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a guy who probably gets that about Trump and has come in and is basically feeding that side of Trump's personality. Mm. You know, he and Bolton are a lot more alike, I think, than people realize. And it's not because Trump's of Trump's ideology. Bolton is very ideological. I mean, we know that. Mm -hmm. He is someone, he is a hardcore American imperialist, essentially, just, you know, and it's not, he's not necessarily even a neocon, at least in the sense that he cares about nation building or something like that. I mean, he has no, you know, democracy, all the the flowers of democracy will grow. You know, he he never cared about any of that side. He's just basically about domination, and I think that he and Trump have a similar, you know, kind of temperament in that sense, and I suspect that Bolton knows that. So, in this situation where you've got Syria there and Trump under the gun, as you point out, from the, that, you know, he's feeling Robert Mueller breathing down his neck, he's feeling tremendous pressure coming from all different directions, his staff is leaking like a sieve, as they always have, and so this is something that a guy like Bolton, if he is smart enough to sort of suss that out about Trump, and I have a suspicion that he might be, Mm -hmm. that he could be feeding that into Trump, and we're going to see some kind of, what do they call it these days, kinetic violence, Mm. Uh, another word for war. Um, I just have a feeling that we're going to see some kind of escalation in that direction. I think we're going to see uh, something like that, and I think we're going to see it very soon with all of these things going on. You're right, Bolton is, you know, can feed that. And uh, I think Donald Trump would like nothing more at this point than to have the, the 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 country and the Congress rally behind him, as frankly they did, including the Democrats, when mm-hmm. he when uh, he, he uh, fired that uh, volley of missiles. He became president in Syria that last day. Year. Remember? Yeah, that's right. 
I, and that and that's what's uh, so troubling to me about this moment, this situation. And I so I, I just want to put this out there before the bombs do start falling, Heather. That it's worth remembering that during the Obama administration, after Syria had allegedly used chemical weapons back in, I think it was 2013, allegedly, rather than simply order U.S. forces to bomb a sovereign nation. Barack Obama decided to let Congress decide whether to authorize war as per the Constitution, and the GOP-led Congress at the time decided against it when the decision was placed onto them. And uh, Ben Rhodes, the uh, Obama's deputy national security advisor uh, at the time, uh, said in 2017 that he was, uh, that Obama feared impeachment if he targeted the Syrian government with military strikes. So I find it, A, amusing that uh, a fear of impeachment by Republicans uh, existed over the potential use of military force against Syria without authorization, but also, it's frankly, somewhat shameful, it seems to me, the Democrats have allowed this president to have no such fear. Uh, I mean, like I said, last year they were celebrating Trump attacking a sovereign nation without any approval from Congress. Well, absolutely. And that's just one of the long list of fears of impeachment that Donald Trump should have and I don't think does have. And partially because Democrats are all over the Washington Post and the New York Times saying, don't say the I word, right? You're Mm -hmm. not allowed. Don't talk about it. Don't run on it. Don't make trouble. Let's get out there and put out our 10-point tax plan or whatever they are doing. So this doesn't surprise me that the Democrats would do that. And of course, it's always, you know, like I said, on the day that Trump fired his missile Mm -hmm. uh, back, he was at Mar-a-Lago eating chocolate cake with uh, the the prime, you know, the premier of China, mm-hmm. if you recall, at yep. the time, um, and he flew, and they had people under the president. I think it was Fareed Zakaria, if I'm not mistaken. He said the president. He became president today. Van you know. Jones. It was Van Jones. Oh God, If I remember it, yeah. Oh, who's who's great usually, but I think it was Van well, Jones who said that for. Christ's you know, sake. look. I mean, these are, the, and there was that, the, and it wasn't just you know saying those specific words. There was widespread sort of, well, you know, here we go. He's, you remember, he's done the pivot, he's become president, he's pivoted, all this. And there was a, you could sense, you know, a kind of, at least I did, and maybe I'm just too cynical, I could sense the sort of bipartisan, uh, you know, beltway, the village, Mm -hmm. as I always called it, Mm -hmm. kind of breathing a big sigh of relief that, oh, good, here's something we can all get behind Donald Trump on, war. You know, oh, goody, he's not that guy. Which means they, they can't attack him now no. if, if he launches any, really any kind of war. Ground troops, yeah. bombing. I mean, I, I, I think they've given away that, that, that right in one yeah, I sense. I think so, too. And, and, you know, I mean, you're also looking, look, we're, Syria is, I mean, let's just put this out here for sure. Syria is a problem from hell, you know, as mm-hmm. men's power used to say. Uh, it's a problem from hell. It's a civil war. It's a regional war. It's a religious war. They're dealing with, you know, and then they've got the superpowers all involved. You've got Iran. You've got, you know, Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia on one side. I mean, it is the worst of all possible worlds. And my operating principle on those kinds of things, especially when it's centered in a small country in a very, very hot region of the world, is that the U.S. simply is too big too powerful and too 
you know, I hate to say it, to kind of, you know, stupid, uh, to be yeah. involved. And, and we just don't, wherever we intervene in those situations, it, it just, it never, it never comes out okay. I shouldn't say never. I just, 90% of the time. It does it not. It goes the uh, wrong way. And an attack on Syria, remember, can pull in Iran and Russia Israel has already report, uh, reportedly bombed Syrian bases within recent days. I mean, this could really turn into a full Middle Eastern uh, conflict, global conflagration yeah. at this moment. And at this moment, Donald Trump is really upset because his personal attorney, Michael Cohen, uh, his offices and his residences have been raided by the FBI. So, Heather, stand by. We'll uh, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll turn to uh, Michael Cohn and what we know or don't about that. Oi. All right. We're speaking with Heather Digby-Parton of Salon and Digby's Hullabaloo. Take a quick break, and we'll be back with more right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com speaking with the great Heather Digby Parton. Of, uh, of Digby's Hullabaloo and Salon.com. All right, Heather, uh, let's talk about Trump's comments yesterday uh, and today in regard to the U.S. attorney in Manhattan raiding the offices and residences of his personal, of Trump's personal lawyer, friend, business associate, Michael Cohen. Randall Eliason, uh, legal expert, we've had him on the show a number of times uh, over at Washington Post on Monday night, said, according to Cohen's attorney, prosecutors informed him their investigation is in part based on a referral from special counsel Robert Mueller. But he also notes, uh, Eliason does, uh, presuming Cohen's lawyers are telling the truth about that, that it would mean that the raid does not directly relate to Mueller's inquiry into any conspiracy with Russians to influence the election or any related crimes. So do we actually know any more today about what that, the raid on Cohn actually does have to do with? I mean, we've seen everything from Stormy Daniels to taxes to bank fraud to Cohen's taxi business in New York. Do we know Anything more today about why he was actually, uh, why Michael Cohen was actually raided? Well, all those, all those 
things that you just mentioned mm-hmm. have been reported, and you know whether or not that's reliable, I don't know. But I've read it all, and uh, mm-hmm. that it, you know it has to do with Stormy Daniels. It has to do with they asked about Karen McDougal the, and uh, the publisher of the National Enquirer and that whole scandal. Karen McDougal, the, the 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 Playboy, the Playboy playmate, playmate, who he also had an affair with and right. was uh, reportedly paid off by the National Enquirer for her to stay quiet. Right. So, so that has come up, and then it was the Wall Street Journal reported that they also had in the warrants they to to look at uh, documents pertaining to Michael Cohen's taxi medallions and his taxi business, which is a very shady side of his, uh, you know, sort of uh, financial his own personal financial empire, which mm-hmm. he had before he hooked up with Trump. And this is this has to do with a bunch of you know Russian emigres, the Russian mob. Uh, Ukrainians. <laughs> I mean, this is all part mm-hmm. of Michael Cohen's own personal stuff that kind of reaches in a weird way, uh, although not directly, into this, you know. I mean, it's like, you know, there are Russians everywhere. <laughs> Let's right. just put it that way. Okay, so then there's that. And uh, and, and then there's there was also reported that in the warrant there were, they were looking for evidence of wire, um, wire fraud, mail fraud, and campaign finance violations. So there's a broad, you know, number of crimes that they were apparently looking for in the warrant, and that's just what we know about. I don't even know why. Now, right. my personal feeling is this, is that it's entirely possible that uh, we know for a fact, first of all, I should go back, Mueller has been looking at Michael Cohen very, very closely for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Not, in, not in terms of these particular crimes, in terms of other crimes, some of which have to do with the deals he was setting up with a man named Felix Sater, mm-hmm. who is an old friend of Michael Cohen's, also an associate of Donald Trump's, and also someone who's been an FBI informant for many years and is cooperating with the Mueller team. Mm-hmm. So this is all very convoluted. But yeah. in any case, there was a deal going on during the presidential campaign to build a Moscow Trump Tower right. that Cohen and Sater were involved with while the president was running for president. So that applies directly to the idea of some form of government collusion which in Moscow everything has to be government approved between Trump and the Russian government while he was campaigning for president. There's, there's, there are a number of these things that Mueller's been following up on. And in fact, in the last few days, in the last few weeks, there have been several reports that Mueller has been uh, querying business associates of Donald Trump and Michael Cohen, and specifically, and they they showed up, in fact, one of them last week, it was reported, they showed up at his house unannounced, the FBI did, Mueller's uh, Mueller's, uh, FBI team, Mm -hmm. armed with subpoenas and, and you know, requests for um, testimony from some unnamed business associate all about Michael Cohen. So Trump has been, I mean, Mueller has been following Cohen. Cohen is key to him. He believes, it's clear that he thinks that Cohen has something that, that he wants to follow up on. We don't know what that is. My suspicion is, is that in the course of this big, you know, investigation that they're doing, in which Cohen is involved, that they came across a bunch of other stuff, which goes beyond Mueller's purview, that mm-hmm. his mandate, it, you know, Stormy Daniels is not, part of Mueller's thing, and maybe taxi medallions aren't either, so they, but, you know, this is what prosecutors do. I mean, this, you get in, you know, if you're in the crosshairs of a federal investigation, 
a U.S. attorney's office, much less a special prosecutor, they find evidence of crimes. They're going to follow it up. They don't just sit there and go, well, never mind, this isn't what I do. Now, Mueller might say, or maybe he went to Rosenstein and said, you know, is this, can I, can I follow up on this? And Rosenstein said, no, we don't know yet. But whatever the case, it seems to me likely that Mueller's referral had to do with evidence that he turned up in the course of his investigation into Cohen that didn't apply directly to Mueller's mandate. And so he turned it over to the New York uh, office to follow up. But it was something that was important enough and uh, criminally important enough uh, that, you know, Eliason uh, writes in in the Washington Post that, this would have to be approved by not only the U.S. Attorney's Office in uh, in Southern New York in Manhattan, but also by a federal judge because you're raiding a, 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 yep. a an attorney's office. So he Eliason says that this means they have evidence that a crime has been committed, and evidence of that crime can be found on the premises to be searched, and that you know there was no other way essentially to get that information. I mean, one of the you know, immediately, of course, because Stormy Daniels and the fight that she has with Michael Cohen has been in the news, everybody was pointing towards that brouhaha. But, uh, I mean, you know, the legal issues on that seem to be related, by and large, to, you know, campaign finance laws. It seems that raiding an attorney's office over campaign finance regulations uh, seems a pretty big hammer to bring down if it was if it was that or if it was just that. Well, I agree, although it is also possible that they came across in the course of investigations evidence that Michael Cohen was committing wire fraud and bank fraud in order to make these payments, Mm -hmm. and those are federal offenses that go beyond campaign finance laws. And they would also go beyond the the purview of of Mueller's office. Right, uh, and it may have been money laundering. I mean, nobody knows where that 130000 came from Mm -hmm. or the money that went to the National Enquirer. All of that may be a big mess that has to do with the Trump. And, and by the way, they are—they also subpoenaed the Trump Organization for evidence uh, associated with all of this stuff as well. So it may be that somehow or another they uncovered dirty dealings with the Trump Organization, Trump personally, and Michael Cohen that were, you know, local. <laughs> that tend mm-hmm. to do just with their own, you know, with their own dirty dealings that are not related to the bigger issues of you know, the the Russia investigation, international money laundering, that kind of thing, which seems to fit more in with Mueller's mandate. But in any case, whatever it was, whatever it was that, you know, and, and it, it sure seemed that, I mean, Trump, I don't think I've ever seen him quite like that. And we've seen him have, you know, petulant tantrums before many, many times, and he gets very upset. But he was really upset, and yeah. he and you know he said something. You know, I think everybody's picked this up, but it's worth and you, and you mentioned it too in your in your uh, report. <laughs> you know, he said this is an attack. This is an attack on our country. Yeah. It's an attack on everything we stand for. I mean, that is that. I mean, coming from the guy who simply cannot bring himself to admit that the Russians interfered in the election. That is really something. And, you know, I mean, that's right up there with, you know, the whole, you know, the French aristocracy, you know, l'état c'est moi. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, I am the state, you attack me, you are attacking our country. And he sort of said things like that before. Um, And I think it really, that's the kind of thing under pressure, you sort of see how he really feels about, 
you know, his position and being president and what that means, which is what that, you know, the big problem is here with this guy. I mean, he's just a natural kind of authoritarian dictator if given the chance to to be that way. And so he was very, very upset. But I just have to say, kind of circling back to our earlier conversation about Syria, the most astonishing thing to me about this was is that this man is so narcissistic that at a meeting with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, his entire national security team, mm-hmm. about how to retaliate or how to respond to a chemical warfare attack that killed a bunch of people and injured a bunch more, the guy spent 15 minutes at the beginning of it on national television whining and, and you know, railing against... This it, it, this you know raid at his personal attorneys. I mean, I yeah. cannot imagine any other president doing that. Can you? I would no, of course not. I mean, I I I was actually taken. Uh, you know, the the headlines were you know about uh, him calling it disgraceful and an attack on our country. I was actually struck when I saw the whole thing. Uh, his comments about uh, breaking into yeah. as, as, as like a, it was Watergate crime. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought that was just remarkable. Uh, you the know, law a, and order president. Yeah, a, a warrant that would have have to have been approved by a you know a federal judge and the U.S. Attorney's Office. Now, by the way, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan uh, is now run by a guy by the name of Jeffrey Berman. He um, He's a Republican. He's a Donald Trump appointee. He's the max, uh, a, a maximum uh, individual donor to Trump's 2016 general election campaign. He's a former Rudy Giuliani law partner. So we we would we thought as of Monday night that he would have had to sign off on this, but apparently Berman has also recused himself from Ooh. this entire matter. <laughs> Nothing makes Trump more angry than that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he probably lost it, blew his lid when he heard about a recusal. You know, where's my Roy Cohn, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so he may be next to go. Uh, Senator Lindsey Graham was on CNN today. Uh, this comment that uh, Trump had made at the end about, uh, "Will I? Well, why don't I fire uh, Mueller? Well, maybe, we'll see, he said. Here's how... Here's how Lindsey Graham uh, responded to that question on CNN today. All I can say is that uh, uh, Mr. Mueller to be removed has to be removed for cause. I have legislation that would require a a court to look at a removal of a special counsel as to whether or not it fits in the definition for cause, not just for Mueller, but for any future special counsel. But the bottom line is I'm not worried about Trump firing Mueller because I think he's smarter than that. Oh boy. So uh, Lindsey Graham thinks Trump is smarter, too smart to fire Mueller. Now I'm really concerned that Trump will move to fire <laughs> Mueller, Heather. Well, I mean, you're right. I mean, and in fact, you know, Graham has, and I think you and I talked about this some time back. Graham, you know, he thinks he's got he's got some special ability to kind of push Trump's buttons in the right direction, and it never works. I mean, right. he screwed up the DACA deal completely with the way he handled that yep. and and you know i mean now we're sort of still sitting out there waiting for something to happen on that and trump has gone way 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 out further to the right so whatever you know i just wish lindsey would just keep his mouth shut he he pushes trump absolutely to do exactly what he thinks he's stopping him from doing by yeah. making these clever little little remarks and the truth is i mean trump can't personally fire Mueller. he has to fire rosenstein Mm-hmm. And he ha- or he can potentially fire Sessions, and right. then 
you know, the, whoever he puts in there, you know, he won't, I, I don't, well, who knows. I doubt whether or not he can get anyone confirmed through this Senate. No, but uh, he can but he can push someone over who's been exactly. pre-confirmed like a, a Scott Pruitt over at the EPA or right. something. Right, and then they yeah. have to, yeah, well, God help us. I mean, that was supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, Pruitt was really going to be the guy, and then it turns out that he's even more corrupt than Donald Trump. So, you know, that... Uh, hopefully that has has allayed at least that idea. I mean, Pruitt's devastating the environment. We, maybe we can keep him from devastating the American justice system at the same time. Um, but that you know, they, it, he does have to go through some hoops to get Mueller fired. That will cause a tremendous amount of you know, just although this is Trump, so it happens every day. Yeah. But you know, the the country will go nuts, and I have no. I mean, there's there's plans for people to take to the streets by the millions. I'm sure that will actually happen if he manages, if he does decide to pull the trigger on the special counsel's office. However, he decides to go about it, people will take to the streets. There'll be a lot of uh, of protest about this. But in the end, you know, what what are they going to do about it? I mean, uh, this I, is the Republicans who have to do something, yeah. and I, I don't see any evidence. I- any evidence that that they're going to do a damn thing if he does do that yeah and by the way i'm not so sure that people will take to the streets as you as you suggest or maybe they will you know for the weekend but hey got to get back to work on monday yeah but i do think there's you know we we've got just a taste of it from what happened with michael cohen I, i i mean if this investigation moves forward as it seems on track to do i think there is i think there can be no doubt at this point that trump will move to fire Mueller somehow I, I, am i wrong please say no, yes <laughs> i know i you know i wish i could say yeah uh, say yes you're wrong i mean i obviously we don't know for sure what what what's in his head but uh, i'd be shocked too and i've always kind of felt that way that you know, Mueller, I've been sort of hoping that if if Mueller has found something truly, um, you know, truly disturbing about Trump's relationship with Russia and foreign interference and, you know, whatever the, the, the central charge of his of his mandate is, if he's actually found this stuff and that this actually happened and, and there's evidence and Trump fires him, I, I, I do hope that Mueller has will have uh, preserved the evidence, number one, which, by the way, during Watergate, that was a big question. When Robert Bork came in and, you know, the, everybody resigned on the Saturday Night Massacre, mm-hmm. and Robert Bork came in, he ordered people to go down there to the FBI, uh, to where they were stashing all the evidence, and seize it. And it was the lawyers who went in there and wouldn't let them do it. Mm-hmm. And they stood their ground and said, no, you can't take it. Now, today... We have other ways of preserving evidence, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you could, you know, there are lots of ways you could do it. And hopefully Robert uh, Mueller's team is doing that, and they're also working in conjunction with other law enforcement and various things. If this is what, if this is as bad as we think it is, then, you know, one would hope that there would be some preservation of the, the facts that we, that they have gathered if Trump actually fires him. But I've always assumed that if it got close and he really was, you know, if his presidency was truly in danger or someone close to him, and by the way, I think Michael Cohen might be someone close to him, yep. 
that he would pull that trigger, and then we'd see the uh, Republicans all tut-tut and furrow their brows and say, this is terrible, and Lindsey Graham would call it a constitutional crisis, and absolutely nothing, nothing. Yeah. would happen. Yeah, and in truth, i got to say, I don't know, well, I don't know how any of this ends, but I, 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 I got to tell you, I, I think it, uh, however it ends, I think it ends quickly and suddenly. I don't know. It's sort of just a vision that I have. I think it ends quickly and suddenly, uh, sort of the way I remember Sarah Palin was, was suddenly out one day. We had no idea, and she suddenly resigns as uh, uh, the governor of, of Alaska. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think this ends quickly and suddenly as well, uh, no matter how it ends. Do, do you have any particular vision on how this does end, how the hell we get out of this thing? I, I do not know. I mean, my only thought from the very beginning, from the day after the election, was that everything depended on what happened in the midterm election coming up, that we'd have two years of God only knew knew what. I mean, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to expect other than I knew it was going to be awful. Um, but that the election, that was going to be our last chance uh, to, mm-hmm. you know, basically put up a roadblock and reassert some sense that the country hadn't gone nuts. My, I mean, one of my biggest concerns, it's, it, you know, our institutions are what they are. They're weakened. They, they're still kind of rickety, but they're holding up so far. But the, what, what has frightened me is what's happening in the rest of the world, because you see the shift is happening in chaotic fashion away from a, a global sort of security apparatus that has been in place for over 50 years and you know perhaps uh, i'm not even going to argue that it needed to be changed that the u.s was was shouldering more of the burden and you know involving Mm -hmm. itself in ways that it shouldn't but that that needs needed to be an orderly shift and that this has been happening abruptly and overnight and people are starting to make moves that i don't think anyone understands so that is the scary part and what ho- what I hoped was that the American people would rise up and say, "No, look, anomaly. This is a fluke. This we don't know how this freak got in, but <laughs> we're stepping in, and we're gonna, you know, our democracy is healthy enough that we will reassert some sense of reason uh, into the American system." And 2018 November, that is that is it. It's coming up on us, yeah. and if we don't do it, then I think we are well and truly uh, screwed. Yeah. And uh, that, of course, is sadly many, many months away, which yeah. is what I'm most uh, worried about. Uh, Heather uh, Digby Parton, uh, <laughs> check out her work, as always, at Salon.com. She writes about uh, Michael Cohn uh, and the real target being Donald Trump. Uh, and, of course, John Bolton, uh, the headline, Chaos Reigns. Oh, fantastic. You can find all of that at Salon.com. And, of course, over at uh, her blog, digbysblog.blogspot.com and on the Twitters at Digby56. Always great talking with you, Heather. Uh, and, I, uh, well, I will look forward uh, to doing so in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Nice to talk to you. And you. Okay, quick break, and we are back with Desi Doy, and you are on deck with the Green News Report. Right after this, I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. (laughs) 
Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The broadcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Yep. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Desi Doyen, this is one of those days when, you know, I just I, I, I just hope I'm wrong. Everyone's, uh, they're, they're talking about Michael Cohen. They're having a laugh about that. They're watching the uh, Mark Zuckerberg testimony, a Facebook founder in, in Congress. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm just very concerned we're about to have much bigger things to worry about. Well, you know, distractions are what Trump loves. So. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong about that. But um, speaking of uh, bigger things to worry about, Des, let's get to it. Your latest Green News report. Have you made mistakes? I think this is something that needs to be corrected. And it do was you a mistake take responsibility? By, it, was a, it was a mistake by my team. That by I, your I, team. So do you take responsibility? I'm fixing boss? it. I'm fixing it. Do you take responsibility? I'm fixing the problem. Rising tide of ethics scandals continue to engulf EPA Chief Scott Pruitt. This is a fight for our world as we know it. Canadian pipelines future in doubt amid relentless opposition. November's Keystone Pipeline spill was twice the size of previous estimates. Plus, Michigan gives Nestle the green light to pump groundwater while it ends bottled water deliveries to Flint. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. If anyone needs security at Disneyland, it's Scott Pruitt. A man (laughs) who even Mickey and Minnie Mouse would tell to go himself. This is your Green News Report. Hey, Space Mountain's going to be underwater in 10 years, you son of a bitch! Get it, Minnie! Get it! Okay, Desi Doyen, despite scandal after scandal upon scandal... EPA Chief Scott Pruitt still has his job? Yes, it'll be interesting to see how much longer he will have it. Uh, The acting director of the Trump administration's Office of Government Ethics over the weekend took the very unusual step of pressuring the EPA Ethics Office to investigate those questionable actions taken by Administrator Scott Pruitt. BuzzFeed News now says that the EPA Ethics Office has kicked that request up to the agency's Inspector General, which has actual subpoena authority. President Trump Trump has continued to voice support for Pruitt, who has been under heightened scrutiny amid a rising tide of revelations about his outsized spending of taxpayer dollars on personal security and first-class travel and a shady below-market D.C. rental deal and other questionable ethical actions. Rising tide. I see what you did there. Meanwhile, in British Columbia on Sunday, Texas-based energy giant Kinder Morgan announced that it has suspended all non-essential construction on its Trans Mountain 
pipeline expansion project. That decision came just hours after hundreds of protesters blocked the entrances to a Kinder Morgan pipeline worksite. It's part of a relentless civil disobedience campaign by First Nations tribes. Kinder Morgan suggested that it may even cancel the project, setting a May 31st deadline for stakeholder talks on how to proceed. The Trans Mountain Pipeline would ship heavy tar sands oil from Alberta across British Columbia to overseas markets, and it's also opposed by B.C.'s provincial government. The suspension is a setback for Canada's oil sands industry, but a victory for the First Nations, says Grand Chief of the Union of B.C. Indian Chiefs, Stuart Phillips. Yesterday, Kinder Morgan blinked. They took a step back, and today, I think after probably some long hours in the boardroom last night, they've come to the inevitable conclusion that you simply can't ram a pipeline through in the face of such such opposition, uh, legal, political, on-the-ground opposition. It's impossible. The suspension occurs in the wake of a new report revealing that a pipeline spill on the controversial Keystone Pipeline on a South Dakota farm last November was actually double the size of what pipeline owner TransCanada had initially reported to state regulators. See, I told you, I told you when it happened, don't listen to their numbers. It is always bigger Then they tell you at first when they estimate the size of these spills, these oil companies, these pipeline companies, they always lowball it when they give those numbers. You were right. It turns out that the pipeline spill in South Dakota totaled more than 400,000 gallons. Mm. Reuters also reports that the Keystone Pipeline system has leaked substantially more oil in the United States and more often than the company originally predicted in its pre-construction risk assessments back in 2010. And just by the way, the... Keystone XL itself has yet to be completed, correct? Yes, the Keystone XL is still awaiting approval in Nebraska. Don't tell Donald Trump he thinks it's already built. In Michigan, the state's Republican Governor Rick Snyder has announced the state will end bottled water deliveries to the city of Flint four years after emergency managers appointed by Governor Snyder instituted cost-cutting measures that contaminated the entire city's water system with toxic lead. The city is in the process of replacing lead service pipes, but thousands of those lead pipes still remain. The governor's office says the city's water now tests below federal limits for lead contamination, but the New York Times reports that the water can still pick up lead when it flows through those thousands of remaining lead service lines in the city. The announcement comes less than a week after a Michigan state agency approved a plan by Nestle Waters of North America to increase the amount of groundwater that it draws from the state for its bottled water manufacturing by 60 percent. The Michigan Department of Environmental Quality approved the extraction permit despite the public opposition that attracted a record number of public comments. Seventy-five comments were in favor 81,000 comments were against. The commenters objected to a corporation profiting from extracting and shipping the state's water to other states, while cities like Flint struggle to get clean water. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Uh, Since the um, 
Well, uh, you know, all this uh, Sturm and Drang from Scott Pruitt about his security needs and the oh, yes. hundreds and thousands of millions that he's actually spent on security. He's got to fly first class, supposedly, because somehow that's more secure. Uh, now we learn today that his claims about uh, receiving death threats and everything else may not be quite all they were uh, he was claiming them to be. That's right. So the Washington Post is reporting that Senate Democrats have obtained internal EPA documents that they say show no evidence of any specific or credible or even physical threats against Scott Pruitt. And that's despite the claims that there was, quote, an unprecedented number of death threats to justify all of that spending. And they say that according to their letter that agency officials in an internal memo actually used used all caps and underline and bold to conclude that the justification for the coverage that outlined Pruitt's protective security detail, Mm -hmm. quote, does not employ sound analysis or articulate relevant threat-specific information that would be appropriate to draw the conclusion that he needs all this security spending. And again, again, using bold and underlined print. (laughs) They said, quote, EPA intelligence has not identified any specific, credible, direct threat to the EPA administrator. This is the internal EPA intelligence office saying this, and the senators have obtained this memo, and they're saying, "Uh, guys, what's going on? You're claiming all these millions must be spent and yet you have not produced any credible evidence of death threats. $43,000 he spent to install a uh, soundproof booth so, so he could talk on the phone to... A, uh, a redundant uh, soundproof booth. Yeah. The EPA already has one really? two floors down from his office. Oh, but that would be inconvenient because he wants to stay in his office while he's talking to all of those lobbyists and oil companies about the crap he's going to give them. And he doesn't want anybody to hear them. Three million dollars on his personal security detail in his first year alone. Well, uh, this just in from uh, Politico, Des, I don't think you've seen this. Uh, That guy who wrote that letter from the internal EPA guy, a career official by the name of Mario Caraballo. He was deputy associate uh, administrator of the EPA's Office of Homeland Security. Mario Caraballo, according to Politico, has now been fired. Oh, my. Yep. There you go. They're not playing around. Draining the swamp, are you, Mr. President? Thank you very much, Desi Doyen, our producer. My thanks also to my guest today, Heather Digby-Parton of Salon.com, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is, as ever, greatly appreciated. You can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Brad Blog. And if you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download them anytime for free to share with your friends. Collect them all. Download them at bradblog.com or your favorite podcast site. We would, uh, as ever, thank you for stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to uh, consider making a monthly donation. Uh, It's all done automatically. Any amount you like to help us stay on your public airwaves. You are the only ones who do that. So thank you for that in advance. That's bradblog.com slash donate. Anything else? Nope, that's it. That's it. We're out of here. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 